Channel F, the one with all the fun. The Fairchild Video Entertainment System at your larger JCPenney. The home entertainment system that never gets old. Plug in a new video card and change the fun. Today we're going to be talking about video cart number 13, which is Robot War and Torpedo Alley. So how you been doing, Mr. Scott? Dude, we were just talking about that. Busy. Let me tell you about my next, uh, well, 72 hours. Um, I uh, got to record this with you. Got to go run a few errands. Um, got to uh, go to work all night. Get off in the morning. Go out. Uh, back here to the house, pick up my uh, power paramotor, uh, you know, the parachute with the, the motor yeah, setup. Yeah. Go down to the field, get in some flights, uh, drop that back at the house, go back over to the other airfield where I keep my plane, do uh, our club meeting, which we have at 11. That'll be over about one. Get in the car, drive 45 minutes back the other way to Fredericksburg, meet with the guy who has a Ferrari 355 Challenge, uh, the full-size sit-down with the three monitors, oh. that he doesn't want to sell, but oh. he's gracious enough to let me measure. Uh, so i got to go down there and measure and everything and make sure that it will fit in my truck and trailer combination I have, or else I have to rent a bigger trailer. Uh, then come um, back to the house and... Um, I have something else I have to do. I have to record some crap. Then Sunday morning, get up, go flying again, uh, come back to the house, assuming that the 355 Challenge will fit into the truck and trailer combination I have, load up the trailer, drive up past New York City into Connecticut, uh, check into a hotel, wake up the next morning, and go to a place that has three 355 Challenges, which they are selling. Um, and uh, sort of the deal is, like, if I drive all the way up there, and I'm going to pay, you know, between A and B price range that I get to go through all three and pick, like, the best plastics, the best seat, you know, and sort out the cleanest one possible. Good point. Um, good idea. Yeah. So, uh, I, and then, of course, that's uh, puts me leaving uh, Connecticut around, like, say, 11 a.m. Uh, for about a six and a half hour drive, probably seven hours back to here. Uh, that gets me in Monday afternoon to evening. Got to go drop the trailer. Um, and then uh, Tuesday morning, uh, I've got uh, uh, some sort of doctor's appointment for uh, ENT. Then I'm going to try and go get to the airport to work on the plane all day to show something from progress on that for the weekend. And then back to work on Wednesday. So, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Been a little busy. Well, hey, at least, at least you're going to be finding one of those 355 challenges you've been looking for for quite a while. For years, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I tell you what, man, it is. It, it looks like the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, until I have the thing, you know, here and ready to start disassembling into the basement, it ain't done. But it looks super promising like this is going to happen. Um, yeah, you know, I just, uh, um, man, I'm, I'm excited, dude, because I just, that's one of the games that, uh, you know, acquiring all the classic Holy Grails, 
now it's time to acquire some of the other stuff, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just uh, I can't wait to have that sucker in there, man. Um, and I found out something cool about it that I didn't know. The Japanese market got a thermal printer that at the end of the race, it would spit out a slip that would give you uh, all of your, uh, you know, the, the map of the course, your acceleration, your braking, your G-forces, all that stuff, right? Oh, no way. Yeah, so the U.S. market was an option, but I never, ever heard or saw one in the U.S. So now, if I have to learn Japanese in order to troll through Japanese eBay and all to find one of these printers, that's my new mission. That's your new mission. I got to do that. But um, sort of bittersweet news, uh, my neighbor, Mike Green, you've met him. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, His company has transferred him out to Idaho, right? Oh, no. And so, yeah. And, dude, I tell you, it was so cool having a fellow big collector on the same road. Oh, Mike is awesome. No. Yeah. Dude, just, I mean, you know, know, he and I are eye to eye on most things. But, uh, you know, to have two big arcade collectors on the same road. We did, you know, a couple double arcade parties, you know? Yep. Where people would come over and wander between the two arcades. Yep. That just doesn't happen, like, ever, man. No. So that's all coming to an end. Um, oh, I thought that's a bummer. It is. But the good news is uh, he pared down his collection a little bit. He kept some stuff that, uh, you know, like the core, probably like 20 machines. And he got rid of probably about 25 more that were just kind of, for him, like the core, you know, the peripheral machines. Yeah. Uh, so I picked up from him two really good ones. I got Bosconian, Ooh. which, you know, I always, I never had the chance to play that back in the day because no like place ever had it, right? Yeah. Uh, I picked it up on one of those, like, all-in-one, um, you know, joystick plug-and-play things. Yes. And I was like, dude, this is like the best arcade game ever. How did That's I never awesome. play it? You know? Um, so I bought that from him, and it's like super minty, brand new artwork, everything. Uh, and then uh, an Atari Video Pinball. Which oh. I have been after for a very long time. Oh. Um, it's ninety nine percent complete. It just has a board issue that it doesn't boot. So okay. I got to find time to get the board up and running somehow. But man, uh, I am so looking forward to seeing your arcade when I come up there in October. Oh man, wait till you see the basement. Um, all the uh, the joysticks, uh, replica stuff, other than like the arena is pretty much done. Um, it'll be done by the time the the party happens, and. Uh, the games that are going to be all set up down here and all. And, and we were uh, brainstorming with my neighbor and we're doing like a full, like a redemption center. So I'm going to put in like, like the rubber spiders, the neon bracelets, you know, <laughs> and then Subaru uh, signed me up as a Subaru ambassador, you know, cause I, I, I do a lot of stuff in, in that world too. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, I got, you know, like the uh, uh, restored, you know, old brat and all that stuff. So I take that stuff to, you know, car shows and all. And, and, uh, and I, you know, I have, I have the, uh, SubaruBrat.com website. So they're like, oh, Hey, we're doing this ambassador program. We're like people that are really active in the Subaru world. will give them stuff to give away. And, uh, it's okay, cool. So they gave me like a budget. I can go in and get like, you know, jacket shirts and pens and flashlights. And, and, you know, I take that stuff to like, you know, car shows, I'll give it out and, you know, I'll give out some online. But I thought, what better way to do it than to, like, stock some of the prize baskets with, like, all the little stuff they give me, like the little LED flashlights. And yeah. so I'm going to throw a bunch of Subaru stuff in there. So, you know, it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be like uh, a neat little, uh, you know, where people can get the tickets and, you know, bring them up to the counter and all that. So, cool. you know, my neighbor's girlfriends are like, oh, I'll work through Redemption Center. Can I do that? I'm like, yes. 
Ah. Yeah, man. So how about you, man? What cra- kind of crazy gaming stuff have you been up to? I've been catching up on your YouTube channel. Um, I had I hadn't realized how many videos you spat out recently, so I was like, all right, let me yeah, sit down. Quite a few. <laughs> Basically, I just the last video I did was at the uh, Baxter Arcade in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's a really neat barcade over there. But other than that, I've been I've been working like crazy, and I had a whole lot of time for for retro gaming stuff. Oh, I tell you what, retirement's going to be great, I hear. <laughs> I do have people after me to open an arcade up in my area. I'm like, Dude, you I, know what? I don't know if I want to do that. There's a, there's a building uh, for rent over by the big movie theater. I mean, it's right next to the movie theater. It'd be the perfect place for an arcade. And I got people after me. It's like, yeah, man, come on, you open up arcade, call it Arcade USA. I'm like, no, no. Dude, you know what? Look, the thing is, I I have talked about that, right? With, uh, you know, uh, mainly a couple of my neighbors and some friends. And I sat down and, 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 you know, the discussion was basically this, right? Would it be cool to have our own arcade? Yeah. Do we know enough to do it? Yeah. How would we do it? All right. We each chip in X amount. We prepay the rent on a building for a year. We, you know, prepay... Uh, um, you know, the cost of like, you know, interior, you know, the, the, you know, we, we come up with a number of games. So basically the thing opens up and the only risk we face on a monthly basis is, uh, you know, employee costs and, uh, you know, electricity and, you know, operating costs, minor yeah. you know, stuff. But we have no real risk of, you know, remaining open. We get a, you know, beer license. We serve beer. You know, we have like, you know, family hours until eight and, you know, after hours. And what we concluded was there were two problems. One, we didn't know if every arcade fanatic, because there were some arcades like that in way out places. I mean, look at Fun Spot. It's in the middle of freaking nowhere, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we don't know if every arcade fanatic on the East Coast in D.C. would pack in there and mob the place like every week, every week end and, you know, a lot on the weekday evenings. If it would just be like a destination for people traveling, we didn't know if it would be that or if a couple, you know, local hillbillies, you know, from the woods would come in for free air conditioning. We, we don't know. We just don't know. Right. So do we open it into thunderous applause or deafening silence? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have no knowledge because I'm not like, you know, inherently business oriented. I just don't know what the response would be. I've got nothing to gauge it on. I don't have that gut instinct of entrepreneurship, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, like I was telling my friends own a local hardware store. I would never have opened up where they did because there's a Home Depot 15 minutes one way, Lowe's 15 minutes the other way, and they opened up an independent hardware store and they're doing great. I would have never thought it would have worked. So I don't have that gut instinct. And then, um, you know, the, uh, the other problem was we have to find somebody trustworthy to manage it, but we would still each have to put in, you know, for the guys that work, you know, Monday through Friday, they'd have to put in like a Saturday or Sunday or both. You know, my four days on, four days off would be, okay, I was going to go paragliding and pick up a, uh, uh, a 355 today, but I have to go mine the shop because there's an issue or, you know, and I just, n- none of us wanted to give up all of our free time and uh, we didn't know what the outcome would be. So, yeah, it, it's just, it. So my hat's off to people who try it. And I see successes and I see failures out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, bravo to yeah. all of them who try it. If I were to do it, I would start off 
a lot smaller, a much smaller place, and see how it goes, and then expand from there. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing too. That is, I thought you know, okay, so like the small to big work. Well, my buddy Randy, he's got the uh, arcade in the Manassas Mall, and he says he barely makes enough to you know pay for the machines being there. And it's more of a place to store games that he's going to sell and for them to be out there for people to see. Yeah. And as a moneymaker, it's a non-starter. He, c- he could never make a living off of it. No. Uh, and that's in a, a mall in Manassas, you know. You know, do you go big right away? Do you open up with the, the, the liquor license? And, and in Virginia, if you serve, you know, beer and liquor, you have to serve food. Like, you know, so, okay, now i got to come up with, you know, what do we do, hot dogs, pizza? Or are people going to want, you know, a variety of stuff, you know, like, I don't know. See, that's the thing you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And I concluded it kind of just didn't for me. <laughs> you know, that's true. Anyway, we need to get on to video cards. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Here we are discussing gaming. Yeah. Anyway, video card 13, Robot War, Torpedo Alley, released in 1977. Uh, have you ever played this game before? Or was this another first time for you? This is the one I played. Okay. And, um, it was kind of like, all right, we're getting to a good one, you know. Um, in both games, there are, and you know, it's a curious thing. The whole idea of multiple games on a cartridge. Now, Atari, remember, right now, when this game comes out, is a time period that Atari's about to push that 2600 out there. Yep. And it's coming on the market. Combat, one game, one cartridge, you know. The early games, one game, one cartridge. And Fairchild, you know, they got this concept of multiple games on a cartridge. And I didn't know if it was because, you know, I mean, who knows what, this would be something great to discuss in an interview with one of these guys. Was your thinking, you know, we need to have more for the player to do, or, hey, it doesn't take long to write these games are pretty small. You know, let's put two on a cartridge because the ROMs are expensive. There could be all sorts of dynamics that led them to go multi-games. And, uh, you know, I think it was a successful format because the games, you know, there were no comparisons. So, of course, you know, when, what do we do? We, we turn off the Fairchild and we watch ABC, NBC, or CBS. You know, <laughs> you get three channels. So <laughs> you could do that, or you could keep playing this game, right? Or you could go outside and ride your bike. So uh, there was a lot more, you know, attention span usage to play these simple games. Um, but yeah, I mean, so some of these games are like mini games, I would say. And uh, these two are kind of like mini games that were later expanded on in, in one of the games we discussed on uh, Retro Gaming Roundup in the top 10 is uh, Beachhead on the C64. Oh, I remember that game, yeah. Yeah, brilliant game. Yeah. Well, this game, you know, um, the, the uh, uh, ship battle uh, game in this has aspects of Beachhead, you know, where you're gunning at the ships and all that. It has aspects of Subrock. So they're kind of like mini games. But I found the playability of, of both the games to be quite good in this cartridge, and and, and, and it is one of my favorites on this system. Yeah, I, I, I really like these two games. Uh, Robot War is basically a game of tag, is how to look at it. You know, basically you're keeping away from the four robots that are chasing you. You try to run them into these force field squares. Which also represents your lives. Now, yes, I that's correct. That, that right there, man. Yeah, I guess we're going to start with Robot War. Yes. Um, what I really like about Robot War is it, the graphics work for what the you know the Fairchild can do. It's easy to understand. Okay, you're the green guy. What do I do? I run away from the red guys. Okay, what are those blue things? Well, if you run the robots into them, the robots perish. 
if you die, you lose one. So you lose a life, and now the game is harder to play because you have fewer, you know, yep. uh, barriers to run the robots into. And, uh, you know, so it, it, that's the, I can tell you that in, what, uh, 10 seconds. That's the play dynamic, right? So now well, you, you also have to make it. sure you have to make sure you stay away from the blue barrier because if you touch it, it'll cause you to stick to it briefly. Yeah, yeah, which gets you caught. Yes, but maybe, maybe just maybe get lucky and the robot hits the blue thing first. But not often in my experience. Yeah, so it's just kind of you know go for as many as you can get in the time allowed. You know, just bang, 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 and uh, you know it's a great play dynamic. The graphics work quite well on the system. Uh, you know, for what it is um, and what the system can do, I I think it was just a great little game, a lot of replay value. Now, me, th- there are levels, you know, you can go one through four in terms of, you know, sort of the speed and intensity. Yes. I tend to just go right to four. It's kind of like, you, know, you want to play, you know, Pac-Man or Pac-Man with a speed up chip. Oh, yeah, you know, a speed up chip makes it cool, you know? Oh, yeah. So what do you do? Do you go right for number four? Or do you, you work your way up uh, one through four? Or? No, I go right to number four. And you know, one of my strategies of the game is I run diagonally because you can outrun the robots if you go diagonally. And then I'll start to go either north, south, east, or west to get to the line up as I run across the screen to hit the little blue squares. That's how I usually play it. And you know what's neat about that is the robots... A lot of the Fairchild games, they'll have like, you know, the sprites of the enemies and they're in, you know, a pattern like grid and they're in perfect lockstep. So if the enemies swing left, they all swing left exactly together. Mm-hmm. These robots have some flexibility between them. So you're yes. not guaranteed a perfect move. Uh, you can't just shove them around the field exactly the way you want with that margin of escape. Sometimes. They don't quite move the way, you, you know, you would expect them to in a Fairchild game. Well, yeah, sometimes they'll go opposite directions. I think that's a really clever oh, yeah. you know, expansion in the game because, you know, the, again, you know, you got to figure these guys are sitting in the office, you know, they're coding the games. And, you know, one of them shows, you know, the other guy, trick. all right, look, so here's how you get, you know, if you want to have instead of one enemy, you want to have like six enemies. You, uh, you know, replicate the sprite, and here's the line of code, and, and now you got this field of enemies, like kind of like the early Atari football games and all that, where all the guys move down the you know, screen together. Yeah. yeah. And then everybody kind of does that. But, you know, maybe there's this one guy over here, here I'm over here now, you know, <laughs> and he's like, hey, I'm going to make these guys sort of do different things, you know. Everyone turns around with their cigarettes hanging out of their mouth. How do you do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and... You know, yeah, so I, th- I think it's a great little play dynamic in this. Can you imagine how much harder this game would have been if you weren't allowed to wrap across the screen? You know what? Without that, it, it would have been, I think, unplayable. Yeah. Not unplayable as in um, unplayable, but far less accessible. That's uh, true. The wrapping really lets you sort of look ahead at strategies and, you know, keep working them, you know, into the barriers and, you know, it gives you some some breathing space. You know, uh, without the wrapping, it would be, um, I think it would be frustrating. That's what it would be. You know, you you'd also, always get cornered. Did you also notice that when the robots hit each other, they'll kind of teleport to a different part of the screen? <laughs> yeah, they, they do. If they if they collide, they uh, diversify. You know, um, but yeah, it, it's such. And and you ever notice like one of the robots sometimes uh, blinks out a bit. Yes. And you'll lose track of it for a second. You're like, oh, he hit the barrier. No, he just blinked. You're dead. <laughs> Heck, on some of the levels, it'll actually group like three robots right around you. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing I'll say that kind of helps with that is they give you sort of a ready, set, go. 
So, you know, when you're when your your level starts, everything's frozen. Yep. And you're able to get like, okay, what's going on here? All right, there's four. I got one to the right of me, one above me, and two up there in the corner. I am gonna jam south, jam left, and start diagonal sweep and start sucking these guys into the mines, you know. Yep. And you can actually, you know, have a moment to plan some strategy. And you know, you because you never know quite you know the robots are gonna follow you. Right. When you start moving, they're going to start falling. But, you know, it, it, gauging, you know, what your options are, especially when they cluster them around you. And it's kind of it, it, you look at it like uh, like, you know, uh, I, and I don't know crap about football, so I'll probably use the wrong words if I try and describe it technically. But when they have like the cluster of guys and the one guy has the ball and as soon as they, you know, blow the flag or do the whistle or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> blow the flag, do the, do the flag, blow the whistle. Um Boom, they all hit him. But he moved it that far that way, you know. <laughs> so uh, there's some neatness to that. But um, you ever get like one of those uh, sort of flawless victory chains where you get like a whole diagonal of them and you just run them one after the other into oh, the first yeah. area? Yeah. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what a great game, man. I, I, I think it's uh, – and again, we're talking about the first home video games that are actually software programs – running on a cpu with a video interface chip you know this is numero uno you know so there isn't other things to really compare it to for some time so for being the first games and figuring it out it, it does some neat things oh heck yeah we also need to discuss the two-player mode for ah robot good war. point yeah, there is a two-player mode in robot war uh, the second player can either pull up or push down on the second controller or twist the knob and it'll actually stop the robots as long as the, the controller is held in that position. So the other player can actually stop the robots wherever they're running to to try to keep them from hitting the force fields. You know, I didn't fun. I didn't have anybody to play with so I didn't get a chance to, you know, try that out. But uh, you know, for a, a lot of again a lot of the Fairchilds not having two player modes. Mm -hmm. it, it's nice that this has that because it's something you can really check out without having you know somebody else there to play. But yeah, well, yeah, AI was touchy. Oh yeah, it was very touchy. Now the second game on this cartridge, Torpedo Alley. This reminds me a lot of uh, what's that game? Air Sea Battle on the uh, top. Yeah, reminds me a lot of that. There's a couple it touches on for me. Um, Air Sea Battle on the Atari for sure, and it has elements of other games that I like, like um, Subrock on the uh, ColecoVision. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, you're not flying up and down into the sky, but, you know, the ship's moving at different paces of different sizes and, you know, shooting them. Elements of it there. And uh, the one I just mentioned earlier uh, that uh, kind of reminds... Oh, uh, um, Beachhead. Yep. You know, gunning at the ships and all... Um, you know, granted, it is ships. You know, uh, it is you know one screen. It is a little simpler, but um, you know, it's it, it's uh, it has elements of of you know that were expanded on in later games. Again, this is the first ones. You know, it's 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 not going to have all those elements they thought of later. Uh, I thought the explosions of the ships were pretty neat. You know, the yes. way it's animated. You know, um, it gives you a sense of. Uh, the things actually coming apart. They were able to do different ships. I mean, the carrier is kind of obvious a carrier. Yep. The battleship is kind of obvious a battleship. Um, you know, the submarine. Little, yeah, you know, ship a PT boat. 
Yeah, they, they, they were able with those blocks to draw some pretty neat, uh, you know, uh, graphics. So very simple game. I mean, you're you're you can either sit there and just shoot up or you can, you know, shoot diagonally. You can move around. I found kind of my strategy was either just sit in the middle and gun as fast as I can or cock the uh, the gun over and, uh, you know, kind of go to the edge of the screen and just lay down a diagonal. I found that I, I hit more ships firing straight up, I think. Uh, yeah, I do, too. Yeah. But, you know, what are you going to do? Just sit there and buy man, man forever. You know, you want to mix it up a bit, you know. Well, it only goes up to 99 and then the game ends. So if you're playing yeah. two player mode, if you're not timing the game, it's whoever gets to 99 first. But if you are timing the game for like a two minute session or whatever, it's who can get the highest score within that time limit. Yeah. Now, oh, just to jump back to Robot Wars for a sec. The interesting thing about uh, that game is that, uh, you know, you can roll the score over and, uh, you know, so it's like first to roll over or, you know, first to 150. Mm -hmm. There's scoring dynamics that you can kind of invent with that, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, this is a neat little game, man. It's, it's you know, it, it, it uh, the only thing that's really missing in it is the element of uh, danger, you know. There, there's really what's coming back at you, you know. Yeah, it would be neat if they had a dynamic of like maybe the ships dropping a uh, you know a barrel or something or a, a shot themselves back down towards you. That would deduct points from your score. That would have been cool. Or would have been neat if they would have made the uh, the player graphic instead of a square box, maybe make it a submarine shape. That would have been neat. Yeah, um, that too. I mean, you know, I kind of get the gun thing, you know, but. Uh... You know, maybe a shield that you could have that you would lose or, you know, I mean, that again, we're talking about things that could have been done, but, you know, were done in later games where the theme was expanded upon. But that's the only limiting factor to me. I really do like the robot game a lot on, you know, that's the game for me on this cartridge with kind of this one being the B side, you know. Okay. Um you know the robot uh, ro that ro that's that's like the star player. You know uh, the 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 that's the main thing. You know the, the side B is Torpedo Alley. It, it and the only thing it lacks is it just lacks that nothing coming back at me. You're able to shoot with impunity and no risk. You know. Yeah. Well, so, at least they put a little bit of strategy in there where they have the mines that sit across the middle of the screen that absorb your shot. Yeah. So you got to avoid those after you as you try to go for those higher point value ships above the mines. Which is kind of like shields for them, you know. Yeah. But it, it does give you, um, it does give you that. But so that maybe, it's a it's it's a give take, right? It mm -hmm. it kind of makes maybe like doing the diagonal moving thing harder if you're trying to you know like get a spread of shots that is likely to move horizontally and the ships kind of fly into them. So in terms of a timed competition, if you're like you know like I said you got the gun cocked over, you're shooting left and right and firing at the ships, that. Um, you know, it, 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 the, the mines sort of hamper that strategy. So you're guessing, okay, I'm just going to sit here in the middle and fire straight up. The other guy's running back and forth. And that adds, you know, an element of pressure. But, you know, at the same time, if you're just checking the game out solo, you tend to just park there and gun right up through the gap and not worry about moving around. So, oh, yeah. Um, definitely another game that, you know, without the other person sitting there, there's, there's far less of a game, you know. Which is why Robot Wars is just a little more accessible. Oh, yeah. Well, I do like how they made the water effect on here using that really light blue color. 
yeah, it gives you a translucency to it, you know. Um, they did a pretty good job with that. Yeah, yeah, the the, the colors, the ship animations, the the ship shapes, um, ship shapes, ship shapes. <laughs> yeah, all that's pretty good. Yeah, so again, there's a lot I like about it. It's just the gameplay has some limiting factors, but again, we're talking about the very. This is the thirteenth cartridge ever made for a home system. So <laughs> yeah. Now looking at the box art, the box art cracks me up for Robot War. They blatantly ripped off R two D two on the box art. Uh, let me have a look at it here. I got it. Yeah, check it out. Look, it looks like R two D two, and you can see the guy standing behind the post, peeking out from behind it. The guy's got blonde hair, so it's like, oh, R two D two went on the rampage or hunting down Luke Skywalker. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. He's got the whole little stubby leg. He, you know what he looks like? He looks like a robot ninja turtle, doesn't he? Yes, he does. A little robot ninja turtle. And, of course, the graphic for uh, Torpedo Alley looks like something from the side of Seawolf. It certainly does. Or um, we were talking about the other day at work. There was this, uh, and I already forgot the name. There was Sub Hunt, but then there was another one, like Sonar Search. Yes. Remember that game that had the blue plastic squares and, like, five or six levels? And you had the, it was like three-dimensional battleships because you had the subs and all that, you know? Yeah. Um. You know, there, there's elements of, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that's a neat game, too. I just, I love some of those old war games like that. Well, you know, the next game we're going to be covering, Video Cart 14, is basically Battleship, you know, Sonar Search. Yeah. So that's going to be a fun one to cover when we get to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 77. Star Wars was 77. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes you wonder if, you know, those guys... Uh, you know, got back from the theater. Hey, man, I got a great idea. Let's do like one of those robots. And, you know, mm-hmm. it looks um, like R2-D2, man. It does. But I don't know exactly what month, you know, it, it, it would be curious to see if, uh, you know, which one came before the other, you know? Yeah, it's kind of hard to find exact month of the year that these cartridges released in. We just know it's, it was released in 77. That's all we know. You know, I bet there's got there's to be some kind of... You think that'd be captured somewhere because it had to, you know, back then release dates weren't like they are now. Nowadays, release dates are like on January 8th. This is coming out. Everybody knows the release date. Mm-hmm. Back in those days, products just showed up on the shelf. You know, you saw the commercial for, you know, X game. You went to the store. It was generally there. You know, they launched the commercial campaign when the game was available. Oh, yeah. So I remember even as late as the Game Boy, you know, you read about it. Like you maybe read about it in a gaming magazine that was coming, but you didn't know when. It was just, you know, Game Boy, we're going to make this. Okay, cool. And I guess you had more patience, you know, for things to get manufactured. And then it would be, all right, we know that's coming. And then, you know, uh, uh, you'd see the commercial, you know, Game Boy with Mario Rose. And oh, that means it's available. I go to the store, I buy it, you know. <laughs> and that was our concept of release dates, you know. Oh, yeah. But it's got to be recorded somewhere. I mean, you would think it would be. God, but how to find it, you know? That Well, there's still one uh, Fairchild guy we haven't got a chance to talk to at Ron Smith, so yeah, we a chance to talk to him. Maybe he'll have some insights. I hope so. Yeah, then maybe Nick knows. Hey, Nick, right <laughs> into the show. Do you know anything about release dates? Yeah, was there such a thing? Or... <laughs> and who manufactured the carts? Were those domestically manufactured or were they manufactured overseas? Were they timed for the holiday season? These are things we want to know. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. So that's Video Cart 13. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Thanks, everyone. Catch you later when we do Video Cart 14. So and until that time, go after yourself. Go after yourself. But if you have anything Fairchild-related you'd like to share, 
You can reach us at our new email address, thechannelffiles at gmail.com. Or you can go to our Facebook page, The Channel F Files, and make posts on there talking about your favorite Fairchild memories or anything else you'd like to share with the podcast. So again, thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back soon with uh, another video card. Mm-hmm.